Welcome to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg, a podcast where we talk all things taboo from self-care to sex work. Get ready to be comfortable with all things uncomfortable. Now let's get Melfi. Hey guys, welcome back to Getting Melfi. It's your host Mark and Meg. <laughs> we are here at a safe social distance um, and recording virtually with our guest today. Um, I hope you're all doing well in the midst of this craziness and stressful and anxious times. I am mildly sick still. <laughs> um, I'm getting over it nicely, so that's good. No fever, nothing like that, just a cough, which um, actually was given to me prior to COVID, so. <laughs> <laughs> Before all of us. Thank went you, BF. Um, okay, so anyways, uh, without further ado, today our guest is Dr. Dylan Cutler. Um, so welcome, Dylan, or Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dylan? Dr. Dylan? <laughs> Either is fine. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here and to be chatting with you. Yeah, so we want to, so who are you? What do you do? Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. So I am a PCOS wellness consultant and I support women um, get back their cycles and beat anxiety um, and different stresses and and pressures that come along with PCOS um, and being, uh, living as a, a woman in this world. So that's my that's what I do for work. Um, as far as personally, um, I'm a feminist. I that's why I was very excited to be um, invited by both of you. And I love I love the outdoors, which um, is so hard right now. But I'm trying to get that in, you know, isolated walks. And I have a kitten who is my my love, my joy, and uh-huh. she's about seven months. And yeah, I, we can go a little bit more, but I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> <laughs> so would it, so you, um, you focus on PCOS, would it be fair to say that you, um, do women's health generally, um, or is it more just PCOS? Women's health. Um, and I, so my specialty, uh, during my doctoral uh, degree was PCOS. So that's where mm-hmm. my background lies educationally um mm-hmm. but personally I have PCOS as well but um I am always educating myself on the latest research on women's health in general and really there's a lot of overlap especially because up to say 20 maybe even 25 percent of um women do have PCOS there oh. it affects a lot of uh, of people and menstrual health is an aspect of that and anything that I'm I'm telling someone with PCOS that might improve their cycles is also going to improve anyone else's cycles. Cool. Okay. So neither Meg nor I know anything about PCOS. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. like most of the population and that it's a super under talked about um, condition, um, not only in the general public, but even in medicine, even in research, uh, it's still always something that I'm trying to raise awareness about um, because yeah, not many people know about it unless you have it. So let's start with what does PCOS stand for? Mm-hmm. Like an acronym, I yeah. assume? Yes. So it's polycystic ovary syndrome. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's a little bit of a misnomer because you don't have to have polycystic ovaries to have PCOS. Okay. Which makes now, it even poly- more confusing. <laughs> yeah, I mean. What is a polycystic ovary? Yeah, so that means that there's multiple follicles in the ovary more than usual. So um, most people with ovaries would have uh, several follicles that are going to, you know, like ovulate um, (laughs) month after month, um, but they are frequently dormant in women with PCOS and and there's a lot more of them. Uh, So therefore we see what looks like a a string of pearls, if you were to look at an ultrasound um, Mm -hmm. of an ovary. Hmm. So what are the symptoms of PCOS? So there, there's a lot. Um, most frequently we see irregular cycles. Um, so that can be really irregular once, you know, every couple months, maybe no cycles at all, which would be amenorrhea. Um, or it could also be really like heavy or, um, uncomfortable cycles. Uh, so that's one. Another it, that is super common is hirsutism, um, which is uh, hair growth in areas that uh, we generally are trying to uh, avoid as women in our society. So like um, on the chin, like kind of uh, over the lip, um, anywhere down the center of the um, body. Uh, and so that's called hirsutism. Uh, another one would be acne. Um, as well as, let's see, uh, weight gain and like unwanted weight gain or um, out of nowhere or difficulty losing weight, even with, um, you know, a, a healthy diet or healthy lifestyle. Um, those are really common symptoms. Oh, I feel like you just spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so to be diagnosed, you need two of three um, symptoms. So the three are uh, irregular cycles, um, um, hirsutism, so that the hair growth, or it may show up as on a blood uh, profile as high androgen levels. So you can have either um, because it's the high androgens that are causing the hair growth. And then the third would be the PCO on ultrasound. So you'd only know that part if you um, you went to a OBGYN. But yeah, okay. if you have a first two, then that is already like that's PCOS. So when you say, um, sorry, I can't remember what you called it, the hair growth. Hirsutism. Uh, hirsutism. So mm-hmm. if you have hirsutism, what like the level, like how extreme does your hair growth have to be? Like, totally. uh, I have yeah. some like fuzz on my face. Yeah, but... <laughs> I feel like I've always just had like some upper lip fuzz going right, on. Right, and, like, so, yeah. so it's tricky, right? So um, because we all, yeah, so there's a scale, there's a, a diagram that I would ask clients or during my research, I would ask patients in the fertility clinic to fill it out and you're kind of ranking yourself on a scale of zero to four of how severe um, the hair growth is. And yeah. so this can range like, like generally the kind of like peach fuzz is not, um, is not significant. Um, what we're looking for is like dark terminal hairs. Mm. Um, and then, so it looks like more kind of like a, I guess a darker, maybe mustache or like a beard, like the kind of like mm-hmm. trending in that direction. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it is really tricky. There is borderline like cases, um, and it's fair to say that it's it's stressful and anxiety provoking for any of us to have to um, you know go through that and 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 want to remove it because it can make us feel less feminine. Like I felt like that for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how does your, I guess your, your, um, your internal ovary situation, um, how does that result in increased hair growth? Mm-hmm. So one of the, the ways that, um, we're seeing an increase of androgens is from the ovaries producing this increase. Um, So that's where um, testosterone and estrogen or estradiol are uh, released or produced and released and um, converted. So um, when we see these higher levels, that's where the the ovaries are coming in. It could also be coming from the adrenal glands. So um, it's, it's very, it's a complicated system. It's not um, just one organ in the body. There can also be adrenal PCOS, um, which is going to be treated a little differently than um, coming from the ovaries primarily. So how old, like, is there, can you be diagnosed with this when you're, like, I know when you're young and you're first getting your period, like, periods can be irregular. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would, like, when would you typically be diagnosed with PCOS? The most common time is when we try to get pregnant and um, end up trying for for longer than, say, our friends or people we know, and then go to the doctor, say what's going on, um, find out that there's some underlying infertility and that PCOS um, is present. Uh, because if we're having irregular cycles, that's likely leading to irregular ovulation and therefore infertility. So that's the most common time that people are diagnosed. Um, but really, if we were, if we had better diagnostics and better awareness, then we could, um, you know, catch these cases much mm-hmm. earlier um, in adolescence, in um, you know, uh, when women are a lot younger and dealing with a lot of this stuff that um, you know is just normalized in society, like like trouble losing weight or uh, irregular cycles it's just kind of like oh it's like a woman's issue just like deal with it bye that's kind of the doctor's response yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so excuse me um so people so I've heard that um birth control birth control kind of hides symptoms of other things. Like people go on birth control if they have irregular periods, if they have acne, um, acne for instance. Weight loss, like the hairs and stuff like that because of like the hormone kind of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's it. It's actually the, you know, the most common uh, treatment option for PCOS is uh, the birth birth control pill. Um, So is it a treatment or is it just kind of a Band-Aid? It is a Band-Aid. Um, it's the treatment, it's a treatment in a sense in that it will, you know, alleviate a lot of the symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's definitely not, um, getting to the root cause. Um, nor is it something that, you know, like if we're going to, do we want to be on this our whole life? If we ever want to conceive, then that's not going to work. So, um, PCOS is still going to be present. Uh, so it's not something that I recommend. Um, I work from a more holistic approach. Um, looking at 
nutrition and exercise and uh, stress management before going to pills. Um, but if someone has like really awful cycles um, or really terrible acne that's affecting their self-esteem, then I could definitely see why the pill is um, a, a fair option. Yeah. So um, is obviously like it doesn't seem like there's a cure for PCOS. It's just a managing of symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. So how like so the pill is an example of managing symptoms mm-hmm. severe. Um, what's another example of managing symptoms? Yeah. So a healthy lifestyle can be super beneficial. Um, stress management is the biggest issue I see that is um, is not talked about as much as, say, diet or exercise. Um, mm-hmm. But stress management is huge because cortisol is our stress hormone. And uh, studies have shown that it is elevated in women with PCOS. And this is going to also relate to uh, difficulty losing weight, um, perhaps even like the inflammatory responses that we're seeing are related to high cortisol. So um, I believe if we can manage our daily stress, which is a lot harder said um, to, you know, to actually um, successfully achieve, uh, that's my biggest struggle with my own PCOS is the stress aspect. Um, But it's really so crucial. So what's the, what are some good ways so I find, so sometimes, sorry, I'm having a d- difficulty developing questions right now. My <laughs> um, thoughts are all over the place. So um, how, what is a good way? I find that sometimes um, I like live in this state where um, I'm just like constantly stressed and I feel like I was like that for a long time and I didn't even really necessarily understand what stress was and um I think we live in this culture where being busy is um celebrated and being stressed is almost like romanticized or not um so how do you recognize stress in yourself and in your daily life and um because you can't it's kind of hard to work to reduce that until you recognize that you are actually stressed it's true yeah um and it's really it really comes down to being intentional with how we're living. Like you said, slowing, slowing down when we're really, we all live very busy lives and it is glorified um, or even trying to accomplish or achieve or, you know, have these, um, these standards that we set for ourselves to feel worthy and validated. So it's, it's a whole mind shift of, of thinking, okay, I'm enough as I am and um, all the other stuff is extra. So it really is about slowing down, um, breathing, noticing if your, you know, if your breathing is, um, if you're not breathing, for example, or, yeah. um, or even things like clenching your jaw, um, always having like your shoulders up to your ears. That's a big one for me. And I just like to notice that and be like, wow, I was not checking in with my body. Effie, I think um, personally for myself, that's something that's really helped um, recognizing stress, just like taking a second to like realize where I'm holding tension, like in my shoulder, I'm really guilty of that. Um, So just like taking a second and kind of just like relaxing. Um, Definitely, yeah. That's the mind-body connection that um, we're so missing or or grounding our feet, like literally like feeling our feet on the ground. Um, Bare feet is, is optimal, but like 
wherever you are, you can put your feet on the ground and feel that. Um, and that was something that I remember I worked with a therapist back, I think I was a teenager and I was having awful anxiety and, um, and it had to do with sports and like being on the field and being so anxious and stressed that I was going to mess up. And it was like a sport I loved and I wasn't enjoying it because I want, I was so, um, it became, you know, like a test. It was like school and everything was a test and I just, I had to excel at it all. So I remember she told me to like, when I'm on the field, like feel my feet on the ground, like where I am. And that's a, a, a grounding mechanism or grounding strategy. Grounding technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So how do you, like, how do you personally, or how do you have some tips for managing that daily stress? other than like grounding and recognizing where you're holding tension? Yeah. Um, meditation is huge. I advise meditation to all my clients. Um, and I make sure I practice it daily, even if it's five to 10 minutes, uh, which I honestly think is better to have like more regular, shorter sessions than say like one really long session. And then like, that's your meditation for the week. So Mm -hmm. just like a little bit, um, whenever, you can remember but if you could make it like just before bed to help you go to sleep or in the morning to um, set your uh, day on the right foot Um, there's so many free apps like headspace is a really good one Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah that's my that's a number one tool also walking uh, walking in nature uh, can decrease stress and anxiety Um, and again it's, it's not for the exercise or like to run and for that it's really for the uh, the mental health of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to shift gears. Well, sort of, I guess. Sure. Um, what? So it seems like you take kind of a holistic approach to medicine. So would you say that? Um, what is your thoughts on the Western medicine versus Eastern medicine? Yeah, um, I do take a holistic approach. I think there there is a time and place. Uh, for medications, I've used anxiety medications myself and had to take, uh, there's a lot of mm, personal apprehension and, and fear and uh, that around that, that I, I didn't want to take the medica- medications, but um, it, sometimes it gets to a point where uh, nothing else will work at that time in your life and that it is really a life or death situation. And so I think there's a place for both Western and um, you know other forms of of medicine, um, but to be really mindful and and critical as well about the information that we're receiving, um, and if there are you know biases behind it, um, like pharmaceutical biases, uh, physicians biases through big pharma, etc. So that's where um, I I think we need to be more mindful as Western. um so do you believe that food is medicine yes I do um I think it mm, do you do you (laughs) I do I definitely do I definitely do 1000 (laughs) percent well yeah I I definitely think it is um I can see times where that would that could also lead to some kind of guilt and shame so I it's a really tricky area but I absolutely think that food is fuel um 
and also can be medicine for our soul too. So that means maybe the cupcake is what your body and soul um, needs right now. So that's where I kind of lie with um, food as medicine. So I know in your Instagram, um, you have like a highlight that says vegan food. So are you vegan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm looking for vegan cinnamon buns right now and or vegan cinnamon buns on your thing right now. And they look amazing. Ooh, yes. And um, that's not that's not, not even my recipe, but um, that's my friend's recipe. And they are amazing. And I hadn't had cinnamon buns with the combination of PCOS and being vegan. I just... There was a whole bunch of foods when I was um, in my early 20s that I just kind of vetoed and thought, you know, that's never going to be in my day-to-day life again. Um, And cinnamon buns were my favorite dessert ever. And then there was a shift where I realized I could make these foods and I could adapt them to my own needs um, and to everyone else that is also um, struggling with uh, these health concerns. So, yeah, those were that was a very happy moment when I could finally eat cinnamon buns again. (laughs) <laughs> so how long have you been vegan then it will be it's eight years now I just had my and, sorry and, I was saying I, was, I just had my eighth vegan anniversary in January yeah, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> um and so obviously you think food is medicine but um is that the reason that you went vegan or was there a different yeah like, it started um yeah it started off as uh plant-based nutrition for um, my health to prevent uh, cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes as um, both of those are are higher uh, risks for women with PCOS Um, and a lot of yeah um, a lot of people in uh, in North America too so um, so that was my first reason um, was to you know definitely I think dairy is there's no need for dairy in our uh, diets, and it's it's really uh, causing a lot of um, inflammation in our bodies as well as wreaking havoc on our hormones. So, um, for the, from that those two standpoints, it doesn't make any sense to me um, having PCOS and these risk factors to consume dairy when there's um, alternatives like almond milk and uh, cashew milk, and then there's different cheeses now, and nutritional yeast is amazing on everything. So. Um, yeah, it started off for health reasons, and then it kind of shifted when I started to learn more about um, animal abuse and and the environmental factors. Then it just kind of all came together that this was um, that this totally made sense for me. Yeah, yeah, I um, I am a dairy free pescatarian. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah. now, um, I still eat eggs and fish and honey, but. That's about it. I definitely agree with you on the dairy thing. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Absolutely. And- I don't know. The amount of changes that I've seen in my body just from, like, strictly just from cutting out dairy, like, nothing else, and paying so much attention to that has just been, like, ridiculous. Things that I almost blamed on, like, my hormones, too, were just being caused from consuming dairy. Totally, yeah. I had a huge improvement with my acne when I um, stopped <laughs> consuming dairy yep <laughs> us too yeah it's wild and I know and there's been a few times where I've gotten like dairied or like accidentally given yeah, yeah and then I break out like the ne- the following week and I was just like wow this is so it's so evident it, 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 yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am um, 
creeping your Instagram, I realized that you have an ebook, a vegan ebook. Mm-hmm. So exciting. What's your favorite recipe in there? Oh, I have so many. Um, okay, the seven layer dip. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love a seven layer dip. Yeah. So it's, again, it was, I always, well, we're all, we're islanders. So thrifty foods would have like the seven layer dip. Yeah. And that was my thing. Like, at parties or whatever I would always bring that or you know like that's the first thing to go at a party yeah um, always. And so, yeah I was just like I need to recreate this and I had this picnic with some uh, girlfriends who were like also they're nutritionists and in the uh plant-based world and I was just like oh they're gonna mm-hmm. love that and they were they were so like amazed by it um and specifically the the cheese layer is literally just a nacho dip like you could also use it for nachos so it's kind of like two recipes in one. Oh my god amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> um are you from the island i am yeah oh cool i didn't know that, <laughs> I didn't know that. yeah it's a little known fact i grew up in victoria oh the more you know <laughs> um <laughs> okay so is there anything more you want to say about pcos um i think you could probably go into it forever but this is a little bit of the reader's digest version um yeah, um, I think the only thing I'd add is like the the high mm, the proportions of, of women with PCOS that are also suffering from mental health um, ailments like anxiety, depression, eating disorders. So um, mm-hmm. it's a really um, complicated uh, matter that um, is it's really important to have the right support, whether it's uh, friends, family that understand, or uh, a professional that you trust and you're able to um you know get get to the root of of what's going on do you think that the medical community is um equipped enough like your say your gp for example um is equipped with enough knowledge about pcos to um diagnose people and catch it as early as they can and everything or do you think that that's developing and needs to be developed i mean i say definitely not (laughs) um i can I can, I mean, I've talked to a lot of women with PCOS, but even with my own experience, um, I know if I see a new GP that it's going to be, there's going to be a, a generic response. They're going to tell me that weight loss is going to, is going to really help. And this is at me as a, as a thin, healthy woman, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. and then they're also, you know, going to talk about how the pill is going to help. So, Right. Um, there's very little education on um, on a deeper level, um, and yeah, so I, I'm I don't have much much confidence there, and I think that more they're more focused in um, in medical school would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And sorry, you said twenty five percent of women suffer with this. Is that so? The that's data? like that's the upper uh, quote. We can anywhere from I think I said six. I said 16 in my doctoral thesis to be like to, if I took all the evidence into account um, and came mm-hmm. up with that number. The problem is we don't actually have good solid evidence um, because it's such a tricky condition to diagnose with all these different factors. Like you might have parasitism, you might not, you might have regular periods, you might not. So people don't mm-hmm. know if they have it and it's misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. So mm-hmm. like we, we, we don't know. That's why you might see anywhere from like, people quoting five to 20 percent i was gonna say is there like um like a hidden pcos like um 
perhaps like an estimate of how many people actually have it versus how many people are like diagnosed with it. Yeah. So it's the estimate is that about 50% go undiagnosed. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so again, that how accurate that is, don't, don't know, but it is from, you know, research, uh, right. medical research. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. 50%. That's, wow. that's crazy. That's a huge number. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking about stress and anxiety and with the current state of the world, um, and the amount of stress and anxiety in the world, uh-huh. um, how do you think that, do you think that women's health periods can PCOS, can that be affected by, um, say all the stress of say COVID-19? Yeah, definitely. I think it would, I'm almost expecting, and I'll be really shocked if I, if my period is as regular, um, you know, this, this round, this, <laughs> this <laughs> it's not even, it's mine aren't like exactly month to month yet. I'm getting there, um, with PCOS, but like, yeah, so this round, I, I'll be really shocked and surprised. Um, and I would say that for anyone that, you know, whose period is late. Um, yes, of course, there's there might be a fear of pregnancy as always, which is something that you can assess yourself. But um, I would expect in a time like this that we're going to be of um, a lot higher stress than normal, and this could affect our cycles. Mm-hmm. So with the self-isolation and everything with COVID-19 and the stress and anxiety that's coming from it, do you have any coping mechanisms like for people that are, say, stuck in their homes or getting this like influx of information? Yeah, um, I definitely think boundary setting around what information we're taking in, whether it's mm-hmm. like, in the news or even or social media um, or if people we're talking to, if there's if people are only wanting to talk about, you know, COVID, then I, like I've said, like, I'm not up for talking about um, COVID-19 today or, you know, however, whatever boundary you want to set. Um, let's talk about something else. So I think boundaries about what you need in this time are really important and what information um, you're taking in. And like, of course, you like take in their, the morning, evening news to, to stay up to date, but, at this point, um, it, it can be too, a lot for us to absorb everything. Yeah, I think that's really challenging. I was kind of reflecting the other day and realizing that every conversation I've had with someone for the past, I don't Probably know, two weeks now, two weeks has been about COVID-19. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. if I had a conversation that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> or at least something in that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think that boundaries, that boundaries piece is really huge and, um, and it's such a relief too when I've noticed that when we have conversations that aren't related, I'm just like, wow, yeah. there's other things going on. There's actually, and I was talking to somebody, I was talking about this yesterday with a good friend of mine. And I was just saying how, like, how kind of not like annoyed, but like I was just very over um, having it in in every single one of my conversations like I didn't want to hear about the topic anymore just because of like the negativity that's kind of been bringing on myself mm-hmm. um and I just like said to her I was like I feel like there's so many people who are almost forgetting that like other things still happen like there's other things that are still happening in this world aside from obviously this like there's still people who are having heart attacks and there's still people <laughs> who are like ill in other ways and I feel like mm-hmm. so many people have forgotten about that and then there's also people who are like celebrating birthdays and we're supposed to celebrate their weddings and stuff Mm-hmm. So, like, our world obviously is so consumed in this right now that it's it kind of is like 
it's upsetting to see as somebody who's like trying to create those boundaries because mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to escape them in, in a lot of ways right now. Yeah, for sure. And sticking to them too can be tough if there's feelings like, well, like, am I doing enough? Like, am I, you know, am I su- su- helping out here? Like, less fortunate, of course, like, um, coming from a privileged place where I can stay at home. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's, that's, yeah, it's like, how much are we, are we each capable of doing? And to acknowledge that, like, you staying at home right now is actually a huge global, like, action. Um mm-hmm that Mm -hmm. like a lot of people you know we're doing so we're doing uh or like reducing such harm um by staying at home Mm -hmm. so what are you doing while you're staying at home what are some self-isolation um activities that you're doing yeah so i'm i'm really fortunate again that i can work with clients online because most uh or all my clients are online through video uh conversations so i can keep doing that i can still create uh, content, uh, educational content for my blog and, uh, social media accounts, but I'm also really like digging deep in, and taking the time uh, for my own, uh, self-care, whether it's through meditation or yoga, uh, indoor workouts. I love working out. So, um, getting really creative with that, like with resistance bands or just like squats and lunges in my room. Um, what else am I doing? Try, I have some books that I'm like, I'm going to read those. I haven't got to them yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah. We'll be in for the long haul, so. <laughs> yes, exactly. We have some time. <laughs> okay, so we have some rapid fire questions that we like to ask our guests. It's just kind of a fun way to wrap up. So if you are ready, we are going to ask you some questions. Perfect. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite meal? Sushi. sorry is that a question yes sorry i didn't hear oh cats or dogs dogs. oh cats (laughs) (laughs) um favorite taylor swift song oh my gosh um i really like um, you have to sing it that's okay Can I even th- okay? I just am seeing the music video. Um, with oh, I was just so happy, like rainbows <laughs> and um, very like pride friendly. What is the music video? Oh, was that one of the newer ones? Yes, it is newer. Okay, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> and she got like a like. I don't know. It was just very happy. Yeah, I'm, I don't know Taylor Swift that well, but. <laughs> Um, what's your Starbucks order? Mm, I try. Oh, I'm not a huge Starbucks Starbucks fan. Okay, um, well, if coffee I, shop. Okay, then a matcha latte with nut milk. Yeah. I read this thing the other day, and it was like reviewing your uh, order, and it was like if you get a matcha latte, you're like a health nut, but you also like a little bit of sweet on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, matcha. I've also gone through like chai lattes, uh, nut milk. It's kind of like my winter drink. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I went through a dirty chai phase for a while. Yeah, same. Dirty chai with almond milk. That was my that was my go to for so long. (laughs) Um. Oh, uh, what's your favorite social media platform? Um. 
well, uh, Crystal Kennings, who was on your um, your podcast, yes, yes. is amazing, super down to earth, um, and her partner is great too. Um, this is on Derek. Yeah. Nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another for like compassionate fitness, the you fitness trainer, who's also my partner. Um, let's see. For food, like recipes, Erin Ireland. Oh, oh my gosh, I love her. <laughs> yeah, and like really cute babies. Yep, yep. <laughs> see who else. I have so many. I'm trying to think like the ones that come like right at my the top of my my feed. Um, Danae Johnson is like super down to earth too, and holistic nutritionist. Wasn't that the name? Where? Isn't she on, like, a radio show or something? Yeah, so she used to be a radio host. Uh, or actually, she still is, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and BC Girl. Please. Last question I have for you. Um, why your Instagram name? Mm. Um, okay, so it's Fruitful Dish with a PH. Okay. And there's two, there's a few meanings there. I mean, the, the Fruitful Dish was during my PhD. I was getting, I was, uh that's when I created the Instagram and it was an outlet for me to um, talk about what I was learning in a way that could reach the people that really needed it. Um, Because when I was being a research scientist, I felt like I was doing so much work for so many years and then you can't really talk about it until it gets published. So, um, and it just feels like I, I had all this knowledge that was just like staying in the lab. And so then I just had to, that was when I started. It was like, I can still talk about things in general. It doesn't have to be specific. So that's when I made the Instagram. And being having a fruitful life um, for me is just very uh, like flourishing and uh, abundance and uh, not dieting, uh, eating your fruit, which is, you know, like I was told when I was younger that fruit was too much sugar and it was bad for you. And that's not true at all. Like I'm just believing in abundance and, um, you know, eat the rainbow and so that's kind of where the fruitful part comes from nice hmm. okay well that's all the questions that we have for you um this was really fun it was fun i kind of needed this yeah <laughs> Thank you so much. yeah it was very educational which um is always nice we had no idea what pcos was going into this and now we yeah we do now we do <laughs> yeah it's awesome all right so um besides your instagram fruitful dish mm-hmm. um is there anywhere else people can find you or do you have Twitter? What's your ebook look like? Yeah. Um, so I definitely have Twitter. It's Dylan underscore Cutler. Um, and I also am on Facebook, Fruitful Dish. And my blog is fruitfuldish.com. And that's where you can find my ebook, um, which is 30 recipes. They're all um, plant-based, gluten-free, sugar-free. Um, really, like, as trying to be simple, easy. I also give tips on like t- kind of cooking tips that I've learned over the years and how to make um, plant-based cooking a little easier. And there's everything from like smoothies, breakfast, meals, desserts. Uh, yeah. Cool. Perfect. Well, you know where to find us at Getting Wealthy Podcast on Instagram. Um, anything else to say about that, Megan? I don't think so, no. <laughs> um, listen on any of your favorite listening platforms, iTunes, Spotify, you know the drill. Give us a ones. review. Give us a rate. 
yeah and follow us on instagram and besides that thank you so much for being here dylan this was really fun um and yeah we'll chat soon guys bye bye